welcome to Easy Easy Bake Bake Takes, Takes, the podcast, where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. And this week, we're doing DreamWorks, and I picked Over the Hedge. Over the Hedge came out in 2006. It's rated PG, comedy family movie, and is an hour and 27 minutes long. And the plot of Over the Hedge. One night. In a deserted Indiana... It's in Indiana? I didn't know it was in Indiana. <laughs> okay, me neither. <laughs> That's random. Uh, I thought this was like Ohio. <laughs> That's Ohio energy, you know? I, I thought it was just like a vague place like that could be anywhere yeah. in America. It seems very middle America. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, one night in a deserted Indiana campground, RJ the raccoon resorts to stealing a pile of food from a bear named Vincent after a failed attempt to get food from a vending machine. However, he accidentally wakes Vincent from his hibernation and the food is destroyed in the ensuing confrontation. An angry Vincent, instead of eating RJ, gives the raccoon an ultimatum. Replace all his food in one week or be killed. RJ agrees and decides to get help to pay Vincent back. The next morning, a family of woodland animals consisting of the leader, Vern, an ornate box turtle, hyperactive American red squirrel, Hammy, (laughs) striped skunk, Stella, North American porcupine parents, Lou and Penny, and children, Spike, Bucky, and Quillow, and Virginia possum father and daughter, Ozzy and Heather, awaken from their hibernation on the first day of spring. They find that much of the forest they lived in has been turned into a housing development, which is separated from the little forest remaining by a giant hedge. As the animals wonder how they will forage, RJ materializes and encourages them to traverse the hedge and steal food from the humans. Despite Vern's concerns, the animals join RJ in stealing and stockpiling human food, not knowing he intends to pay off his debt. Gladys Sharp, the Neighborhood Homeowners Association president, Jesus Christ. <laughs> takes notice of the animal problem and hires exterminator Dwayne LaFontaine to get rid of them. <laughs> Worried, Vern tries to return the food to avoid Dwayne. RJ tries to stop him, but the food ends up destroyed due to an encounter with an excitable dog, Nugent. Vern tries to convince the family to not listen to RJ, but inadvertently calls them stupid and naive. They leave him in favor of RJ. That night, Gladys has Dwayne cover her yard in animal traps, including a contraband device called the Depelter Turbo, which turns the entire yard into a death trap when activated. Vern apologizes to RJ for his actions and reconciles with other animals. On the night before the moon is full, RJ sees that Gladys has bought a massive stockpile of food and enlists the help of the animals to invade her home and steal it. Hammy successfully disables the Depelter Turbo while Stella steals the collar of Gladys's Persian cat, Tiger, which enables entry into the house's pet door by posing as a cat and seducing him. The animals stockpile another wagon full of food, but right as they are about to leave... At sunrise, RJ sees a can of chips called Spuddies and becomes determined to get them, as Vincent specifically requested them. While trying to justify his effort to get the chips, RJ lets slip his true intentions for the food. At the same time, Gladys comes downstairs and discovers the animals, much to her horror. RJ manages to escape with the food, while the others are captured by Dwayne, who takes them away in his truck to dispose of them. RJ gives the food to Vincent as promised, but as he sees the exterminator truck driving off, he feels remorse for his actions. Determined to save them, RJ sends the food wagon careening into the car, knocking out Dwayne and freeing the animals, though enraging Vincent. The porcupine triplets (laughs) commandeer the van and drive it back home with their video game skills. 
And RJ rejoins the family after Vern convinces the others to forgive him. They crash the truck into Gladys's home and return to the hedge, but are attacked from both sides by Vincent, Gladys, and Dwayne. RJ manages to come up with a plan. He gives Hammy an energy drink, making the squirrel hyperactive enough to move at warp speed, which he uses <laughs> oh uses God. to go reactivate the deep helter turbo, and RJ lures Vincent into leaping over the hedge to get him. But he puts on Vern's shell, protecting him from J- Vincent's jaws, and Vern pulls him out with a fishing line. Vincent, Gladys, and Dwayne are caught in the Depelter Turbo, resulting in them being blasted with a massive dose of radiation and trapped in a cage in the ensuing crater. Gladys is arrested for possessing the Turbo, and Dwayne is chased by Nugent while attempting to escape. RJ joins the Woodland Creatures family permanently, as well as Tiger, who remains in love with Stella even after learning she is a skunk and as he cannot smell. Vern suddenly realizes they wasted a whole week without getting food for the winter, but Hammy reveals he finally found his nuts he stored for the previous winter replenishing the animal's food supply the end love it so just quickly since this is a dreamworks movie i did want to cover some of the reason why dreamworks movies are so great Mm -hmm. so obviously it was started partially by steven spielberg we all know why he's great Mm -hmm. and katzenberg who was also a founder of it was the president of production at paramount and then he was the head of disney in the 80s and 90s aka the disney renaissance Mm, that's why it's so good. David Geffen founded Geffen Records and Doc Records and had signed Elton John and Cher, and he put Nirvana on the map. Oh, wow. And he also founded Geffen Pictures, which did Beetlejuice, Risky Business, and Interview with a Vampire. So they had a pretty solid founding team yeah definitely literally the dude who's in charge of disney during its renaissance like i feel like that's that says that's as good as it fucking gets yeah and then shrek came out it was literally his middle finger to disney yeah and don't worry we'll do shrek we will in the future we'll do it we'll have a whole shrek week yes we'll only go up to the second one though yeah we're not gonna do the third or fourth but over the hedge was directed by tim johnson and carrie kirkpatrick and written by len bloom lauren cameron david hostelton and carrie kirkpatrick and it's loose based on Over the Hedge by Michael Fry and T. Lewis, which was a comic strip. And then the cast. <laughs> so Bruce Willis plays RJ. Mm-hmm. Gary Shandling plays Vern. Steve Carell plays Hammy. Yes. Wanda Sykes plays Stella. William Shatner plays Ozzy. What? Avril... <laughs> Avril Lavigne plays Heather. Nick Nolte plays Vincent. Thomas Hayden Church plays Dwayne LaFontaine. Allison Janney is Gladys. Eugene Levy is Lou. That's right. That is him. Oh, Catherine O'Hara plays Penny. That's so sweet. They're always a duo in something. Mm -hmm. They've been working together forever. For years. Yeah. I love that. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I didn't know that either. I didn't know Allison Janney was in this. Mm. I didn't know that those two were in it. I knew Avril Lavigne was in this Mm because I knew who she was as a kid. Oh, yeah. That is Allison Janney, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Gladys. That's funny. It is her. She pops up at the weirdest, randomest places. She does, and she's always good. <laughs> she's yeah. always good. And then lastly, Omid Jalili plays Tiger. Stacked cast, also stacked soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So the budget for this movie was $80 million, and it made $340 million at the box office. Dang. That's really good. Yeah. Because people always talk about how like underrated it is. I didn't realize it had done so well at the box office financially. Yeah. But some trivia. The idea of the film was conceived when Don Bluth... <sighs> And Gary Goldman showed the comic strip to its head, Chris Melodandry, who was impressed by its humor and acquired the rights to the comic strip. Oh my gosh, so it's a Don originally something. He brought the idea of of making it into something. 
That's really cool. I bet he. I bet if he would made it, he would made it so dark. Oh yeah, from from the man who made all dogs go to heaven <laughs> <laughs> and lay before time. Yeah, Jesus. So Melodandry had asked the screenwriting duo of Jeffrey Price and Peter S. Seaman to write the screenplay for the project for Bluth and Goldman's Fox Animation Studios. However, after the disappointing performance of its recent film Titan A.E. and its closure in 2000, this version of the film did not transpire. Damn. Fortunately. In 2001, it was picked up by DreamWorks Animation under the leadership of its CEO, Jeffrey Katzenberg, when Fox put the film in a turnaround. Hmm. Like I said, fucking Katzenberg. It's like, oh, Don Bluth wanted to make that? Yeah. And that tells you how smart he is, too. Like, oh, mm -hmm. Don Bluth wanted to make something out of this? Okay, yeah, it must be... <laughs> there must be gold there. This was the first DreamWorks film to not be released on VHS. Oh, wow. Which, weird history point, because it really, like, 2006 was when they stopped putting as many movies on VHS. Yeah, because more people had DVD players. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't stupidly expensive to get a movie on DVD anymore. No. Wow, that's such an interesting point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the art department went to a bowling alley to sketch the design of the perfect vending machine. <laughs> they went to various supermarkets to sketch chip bags and bottles. They eventually got kicked out of a safe way because the manager felt uncomfortable with them being there for such an extended <laughs> amount of time. So they were just sitting in a grocery store drawing chips. I love that. They didn't even like tell them why. I love that. <laughs> Can you guys leave? I don't know if you're supposed to be here this long. <laughs> In July of 2002, Jim Carrey was announced to co-star with Gary Shandling in the film. However, in October of 2004, he dropped out and was replaced by Bruce Willis. Oh, he was going to play RJ? Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder how that would have gone. I feel like he would have played it a little less sleazy and a little more, like, jokery, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't see Jim Carrey playing, like, RJ in the sleazy way that Bruce Willis did. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. They would have been different, for sure. Yeah. So, Rupert Gregson Williams composed the original score while Hans Zimmer oh served as an executive mu music producer and Ben Folds contributed three original songs along with a rewrite of his song Rock in the Suburbs and a cover of The Clashes Lost in the Supermarket. Love it. I was listening. I was listening to the song still. It's so good and emotional mm -hmm. for no reason. Yes. That was one of the original songs written for the movie. I love that because it's a good one. So good for no Just reason. <laughs> kind of a pattern with DreamWorks movies that the soundtrack is so good for no reason. Yes. But Ben Fold said on his blog about the title credit song, Family of Me, the original lyric was, ooh, I'm an asshole, but obviously that didn't last for long. The directors and producers got a good laugh, and then they stopped laughing when I tried to explain why it's okay that to say asshole in front of kids. I think it's the whole part. Ass might be all right. I don't know. <laughs> the hole <laughs> but i think it's funny that they were like oh that's so funny ben and he was like no but really like we could just change it to ass no but really <laughs> no ben no you can't say ass in the song we can't say ass or hole <laughs> in the song <laughs> The forest side of the hedge was based on the hedge in front of DreamWorks. Aww. So a video game tie-in was released in May 2006 for the PS2, Xbox, PC, GameCube, DS, and Game Boy Advance, as well as a miniature golf game for the Game Boy Advance, an action-adventure game for the DS, and a platform game for the PSP, all named over the hedge, Hammy Goes Nuts. I think I remember the video games that came out. But the last trivia fact I have is that in May 2007, DreamWorks Animation CEO Jeffrey Katzenberg said that despite the company exceeding Wall Street's expectations during the second consecutive quarter of 2007, the film would not get a sequel due to the box office performance of the film, saying it was close. 
and almost. Mm. So we almost had a sequel to this movie, but... I think enough parents were like, no. I don't even know where they would go with it. I guess if they have the comic strip, there's probably other adventures that they get into. Yeah, but you know how sequels always are. They're always more shitty, except for a handful. Like Shrek 2. Shrek 2 was good. Which I like more than the first one. Yeah. How to Shade a Dragon, all three of those are pretty good. I haven't seen the third one, so I can't say that but like i know the second one is good i heard the third one was even better really mm-hmm. okay i need to watch the third one those are such good movies those are very good movies it's dreamworks exactly the kung fu panda movies like i know they made like three of them i only saw the second one i didn't really like it that much i only liked the first one i saw the first one i don't think i saw the second one yeah but that was the last trivia fact i had let's move on to thoughts and opinions what did you think of this movie watching it this time I, I, this movie, this movie was good as a kid, mm-hmm. and it's one of those movies where I can, I can appreciate the good bits. Mm-hmm. It's not one of my favorite of the DreamWorks movies. I'll put it that way. That's fair. I mean, it's a lot of competition. There is. There definitely is. This is definitely one I watched a lot as a kid, so I have a little more of, like, an attachment to it. Yeah, definitely. And, like, there was, like, a lot of nostalgia moments, because, like, I watched this a lot as a kid, too. Like, mm-hmm. this, I saw it a lot. Yeah. It's, like, we were talking about this before we recorded, but, like, it's one of those movies where, like, you remember it pretty well. If you saw it twice, at least, you remember how it flows pretty well. Yeah, exactly. Because we, we were talking about, <laughs> we were talking about how, yeah, we didn't realize how much we would remember of this movie, because it just, like, you're just calling it beat by beat. Mm-hmm. Most most of them like there's like one or two bits that you don't remember but yeah no i feel like this movie plays on loop in my head most of the day so <laughs> i love that <laughs> but what else i don't like it when <laughs> you see the turtle's butt yeah no i get that <laughs> i don't like that but i do like it at the end when he gives him his shell mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i love hammy i love steve Carell. i just love steve Carell. yeah i love that so much i will always think it's funny that they named the hedge steve yes <laughs> yeah. i love that i I'm just putting that together. I'm so stupid. <laughs> you're, you're just putting that together. I'm just putting that together. I'm so fucking stupid. Dude, I'm out of it today. <laughs> I think it's a pretty name. <laughs> I fucking love that. That's so fucking funny. Yeah. I'm just now putting that together. I'm so stupid. Do you think they let him just name it? Or do you think they named him like we named it after you? So I didn't see anything about like how the recording process of this movie went. Mm-hmm. So maybe this wasn't a thing. I feel like they just let him talk. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Because like you never know if the actor is going to say something really funny and they have to match. Maybe the character has to do a certain movement to make it match. Yeah. So I feel like they have to... Yeah, maybe there's a rough start Mm -hmm. in the recording over it, but... Yeah, probably. But, so, I can even admit that this is very dated animation, but... What are your thoughts on the animation of this movie? It, I, I feel like you said it in the nicest way possible, too. It's a little scary looking. It's, it's a little... It is a little bit. Like, it's so yeah. dated. But you see... Okay, this came out in 2006. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about this. Shrek came out in, like, 2001. Shrek still, I will say, still looks good. Shrek 1 yeah. still is pretty yeah because shrek one like it's dated i won't say it's like perfect but it's still like it looks better it looks better than i would say this movie okay shrek had a budget of 60 million this had 80 million hmm who dropped the ball (laughs) just kidding to give them the benefit of the doubt here Mm -hmm. no never mind because they have donkey and they have people in shrek yeah 
I think maybe it's just the styles that they were going for. I think it's different styles too. I yeah. believe, I think that too. It is impressive though, seeing how this came out in 2006. When did How to Train Your Dragon come out? Because those are gorgeous movies. They really are. DreamWorks killed it with How to Train Your Dragon. Especially the second one in that cave. The second one is so pretty. Oh my God, it's so pretty. I think this is DreamWorks uglies. Yeah. Their first few movies, I think the style that they had, like Prince of Egypt, Road Del Dorado, Oh, yes. Gorgeous. Like, those are a lot farther from, like, the Uncanny Valley. Yes. And I think this is where they got to a point where it's like, okay, we know how to do it, but we need to, like, clean it up. Mm -hmm. And this was, like, the most Uncanny Valley of them. Mm -hmm. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, th at that point in time, definitely. Like, four years later, How to Train Your Dragon comes out. They've obviously been able to fix that. Oh, my God. Four years after this? That mm -hmm. is amazing. Oh, my God. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they were going for the different style for this movie so yeah it's just so ugly i just hate it it's so nasty looking <laughs> i'm just i'm gonna look up real quick what movies came out between those times mm -hmm. when did kung fu panda come out uh the first kung fu panda was 2008 okay they even fixed it up two years kung fu panda is a pretty movie too again i think it's the style yeah i think it's the style madagascar came out around then yeah because shark tale also kind of has that uncanny valley <laughs> that is also an ugly movie <laughs> It is an ugly movie. But like think like spirit looked fine, you know? Beautiful. Beautiful. Cause that's 2D. 2D is very different from 3D. 3D when we were growing up, it was great probably when we first yeah. come out. And I remember watching Shrek 1 with my dad mm -hmm. probably a few years ago. And there's that fire scene. They show the fireplace. He goes, back in the day when I like we saw that in theaters, that was the most realistic looking fire ever. Mm -hmm. And now he's like, now it looks like shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, by the time, it was really very realistic. It only gets better. Uh, maybe it's different animation teams mm. working on these different movies. They're coming out in the same years. The same people can't possibly be working on the same movies. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's hundreds of people. But no offense to the people who animated this movie or Shark Tale or the B-movie. It's a little uncanny valley and a little scary. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Is there anything, like, humor-wise with this movie that you had any thoughts on? I loved it as a kid, mm -hmm. as an adult. It doesn't hit not every joke hits no no but i still enjoy the memory of steve carell like watching steve carell in this movie as a kid was the funniest thing he's the best character in this movie oh yeah and like i'm still like you know it's it's him it's steve carell yeah but I like the cookie was like the, the line from this movie. Oh, we all said it. We all mm -hmm. said it. We were all saying it. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the memory of <laughs> when this was top tier comedy as a child. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's the first time this has happened. This is a movie that does not hold up as much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there, there, this was another thing, though, too, where there were some adult jokes that I understood more. Like, I understand who Gladys is now a little better. Yes. you, Because, like, as a kid, you didn't know what that was, of course. Yeah. But now you get it. She's the original Karen. We've, Yeah. We've all met Gladys in our lives before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and overall, it's it's a cute movie. It's got some cute little bits in there. Yeah, yeah. I love the little baby porcupines. Yeah. Anything else specific? Uh, no, nothing else specific. Mm -hmm. For me, like I said, I watched this movie a lot growing mm -hmm. up, so it has like a special place in my heart. I think when I was like little, little, I was scared of Vincent because mm -hmm. he is scary. And like whenever RJ's having that nightmare that he like his claw comes up and like grabs him, that's scary. Oh yeah, definitely. I always will always laugh even before I understood who Doctor Phil was. <laughs> Just that like that I'm a dirt bag. <laughs> I'm a dirt bag. I'm a dirt bag, and he mouths it with he him. Mouths it. It's so fun. I do like that bit. That's a good one. Yeah. I don't have much else to say about this movie. It's kind of like the first 
really in the middle cartoon we've done i think yeah because yeah every other cartoon we've done we've like loved so this one for me i'm very in the middle of it i, I don't hate it mm -hmm. i enjoyed watching it i would never say it's my favorite dreamworks movie not by a long shot and fuck it bruce willis is a raccoon i don't he does really good <laughs> yeah he was born to play this role oh yeah but that's all i have to say do you have anything else you want to add before we start with the critics Mm -mm. Okay, so this movie had a 75% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and a 71% from audience. That's surprising. Mm -hmm. I don't, that's, that's pretty good, you know? So this movie, I'm, this movie came out at the same time as Cars. Oh, really? So it had some competition. It did. It definitely did. This came out after Shrek 2. The expectations were high for DreamWorks. Yeah. Factor that into it as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, 75% is better than some movies get, but. I'm going to say it. That's decent yeah it's passing it's very passing like mm -hmm. i don't know i there are movies i like more than this movie that got worse ratings so i'm yeah. just gonna say hey i'll take it you know mm -hmm. if my movie got 75 percent, i'd be like okay all right yeah. majority like it this movie was at the Cannes film festival oh my god was it yeah oh my god so was up <laughs> yeah so was up <laughs> yeah that's funny but this one was not hard to find negative reviews of this movie. <laughs> yeah. So the first review I have is from Rachel's Reviews, written by Rachel Wagner in May of 2017, who gave this movie a C-, minus. starting with, quote, One of the frustrating things about reviewing DreamWorks films is many of their movies come close to being good but can't quite pull it off. I forgot to add that DreamWorks does film and animation. Oh, like they made movies that were like live action? Yeah. At a certain point, a lot of um, Spielberg's movies were coming out through DreamWorks. Oh, okay. I guess we should clarify then, like, when I talk about DreamWorks movies, I'm talking about the animations. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, I feel like that's what most people associate DreamWorks with. Yeah. They had Catch Me If You Can. Oh, okay, yeah. That was a good movie, though. Yeah. They they did Almost Famous. Oh, that's a fantastic movie. Almost Famous is a fantastic... Okay, so they were successful with it. Yeah. They made some successful films. That was a co-production with Columbia Pictures, mm. but they, they did. They did a lot of uh, live-action ones. I thought you were going to list off, like, random movies I'd never even heard of or something like that, but, like, okay, yeah. Yeah. They're still making live-action movies to this day. Okay. Back to this review, so I'll start over with that quote. They say, One of the frustrating things about reviewing DreamWorks films is many of their movies come close to being good but can't quite pull it off. Particularly, their comedies often have great casts, promising premises, inviting animation, but the jokes fall flat, leaving me annoyed. Over the Hedge, made in 2006, is no exception to this rule. End quote. Did they not like Shrek? Yeah, like, they're saying, like, every movie is almost good. Yeah, I'm like, that is not the case. Most <laughs> of their movies are amazing. Like, exceed exactly. good. Yeah. But they wished it had been a 30-minute short instead of a feature film because the first 30 minutes is great. They say it becomes a generic kids movie after the first 30 minutes. How dare a children's movie end up being a children's movie? <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. I hate people like this. I do understand what they're saying. Mm -hmm. It becomes it becomes a little predictable after the first 30 minutes. And I understand, like, when you're watching Shrek, you don't know where that, that ogre is going. You don't know no. what's going on. Where that man's going. <laughs> you don't know where he's going. You don't know how the movie's going to end. But with this one, yeah, it's a little bit more predictable. Mm -hmm. I still enjoy it after that first 30 minutes, but I, I get what you're saying. Exactly. They also say that the scene of RJ explaining how much humans love food is the highlight of the movie, saying, quote, This food glory sequence is funny because it is relevant social commentary. It still makes me laugh how it shows driving and dressing like food from an alien perspective or animal.
minimal. We really do focus way too much on food in America. There's no doubt about it. And that is funny. End quote. Yeah, it's like satire. And it's trying to prove a point. Which this movie does a lot. Like, the, mm-hmm. I, I feel like this will be our missed to talk about. But, like, this movie is commenting. Mm-hmm. On, like, the wastefulness of humans. Mm-hmm. Wasteful. Overconsumption. Overconsumption. Capitalism. Uh, deforestation. Yeah. It's showing a lot of things. Like, the, what is it called? The de-pelter turbo thing. The thing that's just way too crazily it's illegal to it's use. illegal it's way too torturous yeah it, it's making points this movie is making points yeah it is but they also say quote however once this setup is over the rest of over the hedge becomes a toy story ripoff Vern the turtle is woody and rj is the new hip buzz end quote which yeah i could see those dynamics in there mm-hmm. they say quote the last act of the movie is the animals trying to steal food from a woman who has a heavily fortified house. It's clearly just to manufacture tension and a dramatic car chase scene at the end. Instead, it all feels like filling time. Like they were stretching 30 minutes of an idea into over an hour, which is probably accurate. End quote. I didn't feel that way. I feel like they're trying to show you like the overkill mm-hmm. and that's going to come back later. Yeah. I don't know. I don't agree with that statement at all. But they end with, quote, It is very predictable and nothing really engages the viewer. We know RJ is lying to the crew and exactly when he's going to feel bad, be exposed, and make up with everyone. Formula movies are fine, but there needs to be more to entertain than this. As a plus, the animation is pretty decent and kids will be moderately entertained. It's not awful, but not very memorable either. I would say watch the first 20 minutes and then find something else to do with your day, end quote. Why would I watch the first 20 minutes of a movie and not finish it? That's so stupid. Yeah. Stop giving out advice. That was dumb. <laughs> You're bad at it. You're about it <laughs> where's my fart machine yes <laughs> but the next review i have is a positive review from the independent critic richard propes hey from 2006 uh, who gave this movie a 3.5 out of 4 and richard says quote over the hedge the latest release from the dreamworks animation team is a hilarious sweet and insightful film that should serve as a marvelous film for the entire family to enjoy seen as a work in progress at the indianapolis international film festival even as a work in progress the film is far ahead of the recent animated films in laughter entertainment value and that all-important quality for parents of will i survive it the 80 times my child wants to see it the answer is a resounding yes end quote very important factor yeah does it hold up 80 times for the parents (laughs) who have to watch it Mm -hmm. but he also says quote over the hedge is brought to us by the same team that brought us shrek in madagascar thankfully over the hedge is much closer to shrek in tone spirit and humor the film will undoubtedly appeal to both adults and children with adorable, energetic animals and those famous DreamWorks one-liners that will have adults and children alike laughing out loud, end quote. He also says, quote, each character is given numerous opportunities to shine and shine they do, end quote. Everyone's used proportionally. Yeah. Or enough, you know, because there's the, the background characters like in the little group, but like they're so good. It doesn't feel like anyone's there for no reason exactly he ends with quote over the hedge is filled with comical moments zippy one-liners double entendres obscure movie references that work perfectly and even a few tender moments only the tender moments at time come off as a bit forced and on a couple occasions the quote lessons we are supposed to be learning are spelled out a bit too bluntly while the graphics weren't quite finished during the screening what was finished looks beautiful and the animals are warm and cuddly without appearing too lifelike dreamworks made the seemingly odd choice of recruiting ben folds to write slash perform the songs for the Music, and yet this choice works quite nicely with the mood and pace of the film to describe the plot of over the hedge further would be rather silly it is an animated film designed to appeal to both children and family and it succeeds in this goal magnificently in many ways the film teaches basic lessons about family self-acceptance honesty and at least i got this lesson maybe we humans aren't as smart as we think 
we are. Animals, RJ points out, eat to live while humans live to eat. Over the Hedge is filled with enough little moments of comic wonder that I could literally sit here all day trying to share them all. However, I wouldn't want to take that experience away from you. All I can say is that going over the hedge will take you to a comic paradise for children and adults alike, end quote. So did you feel that the lessons were a little too... Okay, again, it is a children's movie. It kind of have to make them a little more obvious. To be fair, <laughs> there are kids' movies that do that without them feeling too forced. Very true. Okay, now that you're saying that, yes. But the next review I have is a negative review from the Austin Chronicle, written by Merritt Ingman in May of 2006, who gave this movie a 2.5 out of 5. Starting with, quote, Candy casting and sly anti-consumerist message give this splashy big screen treatment of the eponymous comic strip extra appeal for grown-ups, but like a lot of animated fare, it's overly busy, lacking the comic's gentle, contemplative air, end quote. When you have to use so many big words in a sentence, like, who are you trying to impress? Yeah, because you could have just said it ha it didn't do the comic strip service. Yeah. But they also say, quote, I'm also sad to report that what the MPAA calls mild comic action is a sort of Acme laboratory slapstick violence. And there's a scary ass bear who may terrify small fries by growling. DreamWorks entry into the cartoon blockbuster sweepstakes alongside Fox's Ice Age, The Meltdown and Pixar's upcoming Cars has its pleasures. If you can roll with Ursine death threats and an exterminator jonesing for critter blood, the film retains most of Ursine means bear, by the way, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> They're just saying a, a snobby way of saying that a bear is threatening. See, I hate this person already. To continue, quote, the film retains most of the strip's charm when it slows down to a cute fuzzy satire of human foibles, and the animation technology allows a wonderful funhouse view of suburban living in the expository scenes. The cast is uniformly good, but Carell steals it as Hammy, the strip's lovable dingbat. Carol has a knack for investing cartoonish characterizations with undeniable heart, and Hammy's addle-brained innocence is a perfect fit. Unfortunately, the script, by no fewer than four writers, is more dialogue than story, and it confuses mayhem with action, like too many family entertainments, Chicken Little, I'm looking in your direction three three, <laughs> three songs by ben folds neither add to or detract nor detract from the project which could be the faintest praise ever with more attention to the fundamentals of narrative over the hedge wouldn't be so over the top end quote so at the beginning when they're saying like it's gonna be too scary for kids yeah i, I don't know it's one of those things where i'm like i did get scared of the bear so i'm not gonna say that that's you know yeah He's threatening to kill him. That is a lot. I will hunt you down and kill you. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty, it's a, it's a little bit of a lot. It's intense. This movie's too goofy though. Yeah. They threw some shade at Chicken Little, which fair. That's fair. That's very fair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I kind of get what they're saying with it's more dialogue than story. I think there is a story, but it, mm -hmm. there's a lot of focus on like the, the joking banter being had. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Which I don't think is a bad thing, but... I think it I think it works for this movie. I do agree that like Hammy is the best character in there. Definitely. But the last review I have is from the Houston Chronicle. So you got mm. a little H Town versus Austin here. <laughs> Love it. By Amy B. and Coley from May of 2006, starting with quote, Not in my backyard takes a whole new meaning in Over the Hedge, a film about marginalized residents fighting for their rights, specifically fair access to tortilla chips and the looming shadow of McMansions. End quote. <laughs> All right. And then, quote, in this hard-hitting, brilliantly cast expose, suburbanites wage war against an oppressed, albeit furry, segment of society, end quote. They didn't get into it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, they had a lot of intro. Yeah, they have a lot of intro. But they say, quote, but think for a minute. Imagine yourself among the vermin. What if you were a hibernating animal? What if you lived in a woodland paradise munching on berries? 
prancing around, la-di-da, when you awoke from a winter's sleep to discover the berry bushes gone, and in their place, enormous, inorganic dwellings occupied by freaky pink primates. You'd wig out, that's what, and you'd be hungry. End quote. They have fun with this. He took this in a way different direction. <laughs> and then they say, quote, In the film's first two snack-ignited mushroom clouds, he <laughs> opens a bag of chips, the compromised vacuum letting loose with instantly addictive tortilla dust. From that moment on, Over the Hedge is a story of awakening, a story of empowered ex-urban animal life, a story of togetherness, of disparate individuals working together to pillage shelves, blunder barbecues, and hijack a wagon load of cookies. End quote. I love the mushroom cloud thing, though, with the chips, though. I forgot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I forgot that's a good bit. <laughs> <laughs> but they also say, quote, the film is a manic blur of zippy vocal performances from Thomas Hayden Church's combed over exterminators and Carell's super caffeinated rodent to Shatner's poke in the ribs, his own, as a marsupial who plays dead with elegic puffery dreamworks take on over the hedge is its own animal a spirited intrepid critter that mooches our affection along with the garbage end quote and then saying quote it's the studio's best computer animated effort since shrek and that's the wildest thing of all end quote there were other good ones before like like shrek 2 like shrek 2 (laughs) that was really really good but there weren't a lot between then and this one yeah there wasn't they seemed like they liked it though and that's good i I have no i have no um grievances with that (laughs) they were a little fluffy with (laughs) with their uh, intros too excited about it a little too excited i'll I'll say to calm down a little bit but eh, you know what i'm not gonna say it's bad yeah that was our last critic review you ready to move on Mm mm-hmm so on to the audience reviews. The first review is a 10 out of 10 from IMDb titled Absolutely Amazing Best Animated Film Since Finding Nemo. Whoa, okay. From May of 2006. This movie was beyond excellent. Probably the best animated film I have seen since Finding Nemo. Over the Hedge has all the pizzazz that you could ever want in an animated film. Great plot, great characters, and very clear animation. It was very funny and controlled its humor in a very family matter, so kids of all ages could go see it and still laugh. I would recommend this film to anyone. It's definitely worth the money. The voices of the characters that were played by a wide range of celebrities fit the critters perfectly. None of the voices seemed off and everything was on key. The only downside to this movie is that I seriously wish it was a bit longer, but it's, it is a children's animated film. You can't really expect it to be over an hour and 30 minutes anyway. But like I said before, it is definitely worth your money and I have doubt that the family will enjoy it. I'm glad they really liked it. I'm not going to take that away from them. Mm-hmm. I don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree, but uh, not not with everything. Just like I just just being the best since Finding Nemo part. Yeah, that's a really big statement. That's a huge statement to make. So it is. I take grievance with that, but like I'm glad they liked it. I'm not gonna take that away from them. Yeah. The next review I have is a five star from 2016 on Letterboxd. Even if it's not an animated classic, Over the Hedge offers enough clever writing, fun shenanigans, and great voice acting to be more than worth a watch. I feel like I'm one of the few people who actually remembers this movie. I consider it underrated, honestly. See it. This is one of those movies where, like, it is strictly our generation's movie. It doesn't transcend that much. Yeah. So we really do have to bring it up. You know, in order to talk about, <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. People aren't just sitting around talking about over, over the, the hedge. hedge. You got to find yeah. someone who, one, saw it as a kid and two. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those movies. Yeah, it's very specific to our our era of DreamWorks. Definitely. The next review I have is a two and a half star from 2018 on Letterboxd that says, The moment where the Persian cat who can't smell yelled, Stella! <laughs> was better than the entirety of A Streetcar Named Desire from 1951. You know what? Yeah, I'll give that to them. 
Yeah. Did your mom name her car Stella after yeah. that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she did. <laughs> she named it because I think we were watching Modern Family at the time, mm-hmm. and there was a bit where they did that bit. They screamed out yeah, Stella. Yeah, the dog Stella. Yeah, and my mom was like, I'm going to name my new car after that. <laughs> she did. We still have that car. Yeah. But the next one is three and a half stars from Letterboxd from 2020. Studies have proved that if you don't like this film, you don't like fun and you suck. Well, who am I to argue with studies? Am I right? (laughs) I love that. I'm going to say that from now on. That's us every time somebody hates fun. It's literally the (laughs) definition of this this podcast. It's like, oh, you hate fun? You you kick puppies? You kick puppies? (laughs) You hate children? (laughs) I love that. Two and a half stars from Letterboxd from 2020, starting with the quote, that's a contraband item, ma'am, as it is illegal in every state except Texas. (laughs) I forgot about that quote. (laughs) It would be legal in Texas. It would. Uh, They say after that quote, this is Avril Lavigne's best movie. No, but actually the animation of the humans is absolutely hideous, borderline terrifying. Mm -hmm. Where the uncanny valley thing comes in a little more is the humans more than the animals. They're freaky looking. Yeah. Dwayne scared me more than the bear. Oh, that's hilarious. I thought he was giving Dwight energy. Yeah, I mean, Dwayne, Dwight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The next one is a two-star review from 2021 that says, I blame this film for my childhood habit of eating bark because of how it made the bark look delicious. Oh my god. Because it put the (laughs) the chip dust on it. Oh my god. That part of the movie told me bark is not good. <laughs> that is so fucking funny. You know what's funny? I remember in Bambi during the winter scene. This is right before the mom got killed. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's winter. There's no grass. So they have to like eat the bark off the tree. I yep. remember like how it was animated. Like she just like strips the bark off. Like she bites it, <laughs> strips the bark off. I was like, mm, that looks like, I don't know what it looked like. I think like beef jerky or something. I don't know. That's yeah. what I thought it would taste like. Tree jerky. It's tree jerky. So we eat it. <laughs> so I, like I'm, I'm understanding this movie didn't make me think bark tasted good. It didn't make it look good, no. Bambi, yeah, but... Bambi and, like, other things, like, you can make almost anything look good in it. I, I understand why children get confused mm-hmm. <laughs> when mm-hmm. something animated is shown. They're like, that must be good. <laughs> yeah. This made me want Doritos and Pringles more than anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not dirt. Yeah. Also, so these next three, they were all in a row and they were all funny, <laughs> so I just screenshotted them all together. Perfect. 2016, three stars on Letterboxd. Everyone stop saying I look like the possum from Over the Hedge. I don't look like the possum from Over the Hedge. (laughs) And I'll zoom in on her so you can see. Oh my god, she does though. (laughs) She does. Oh, that's so fucking funny. You know what? I'm gonna say it's not an insult. It's Avril Lavigne. It's Avril Lavigne. You just look like Avril Lavigne if she were a possum. (laughs) You do. You You do. do. Sorry. It's not an insult. I'm not being mean. You just do. Mm -hmm. And the next one is three stars from 2020 on Letterboxd that says, this movie tried so hard to make a skunk fuckable. Oh my god. (laughs) They did. I didn't want to ever hear those words, but yeah. I didn't either, but now you did. (laughs) I had to see it, so so you. (laughs) Okay, the next one is two and a half stars on Letterboxd from 2021 that says, This goes down a smidge on rewatch. I certainly recall a more bombastic finale, so this tells me I was overly impressed by a film I had set low expectations for even then. Over the Hedge's real area of praise belongs to its collection of voice actors, Nick Nolte, Bruce Willis, Steve Carell, Catherine O'Hara, and Eugene Levy, Wanda Sykes, and Gary Shandling, among others, who add a ton of flair to their respective characters. The film tends to cram the humans are gross an overindulgent gimmick down your throat which isn't wrong but gets tiresome all the time shout out to thomas hayden church who is always off to the side reveling in the dirty work 
they're not wrong. I I get it. And like, even though I like critiquing, I was I understand when it gets old. Mm-hmm. This next one is a one out of ten from IMDb. <laughs> titled go see cars <laughs> from june of 2006 i am a huge shrek fan but this was a waste of my time lame jokes just shooting at you also the killing jokes over and over again etc there are actually kids in the theater my kids enjoyed cars much more and so did i it is full of mature jokes and has a heartwarming story also i do not know much about animation but it seemed cars was done better i can't wait for shrek 3 but if it's anything like this i will be greatly disappointed dreamworks please think of something amazing next time and try not to make many jokes that it starts hurting your brain also less aggressive jokes please as advice from a father of two loving kids this is not worth your or your kids time okay when they say i can't wait for shrek three but if it is anything okay sorry you're gonna be greatly disappointed by shrek three <laughs> it's not as bad as as over the hedge if this is what they think of over the hedge yeah that's that is true also when they said cars looks a lot better i'm like yeah it's pixar it's fucking pixar it's, pink. it's really hard to upstage pixar yeah also they're cartoon cars and there's no like people or anything in it yeah exactly it's a little easier to make that look pleasing. Yes. Two stars on Letterboxd from 2018. All my life, I've wondered who voiced Heather as a cool teenaged possum. But of course, it's Avril Lavigne. Who else would it be? I sense something. Her pop rock energy, I mean. <laughs> and the TX THX logo loudness is the most accurate thing ever. Yes. Yes. I remember that. Trying to put on yeah. a movie mm -hmm. late at night. I didn't know how to work the volume. I knew how to put a movie in. I had no clue how to work the volume though. <laughs> so whatever the volume was, was what it was. But the next one is a three-star review for 2020. It says the Western remake of Parasite already exists and it even has Ben Foltz. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that. Parasite's just a ripoff of Over the Hood. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> That's the argument we should be making. Today, I will prove. <laughs> I had to go into the three stars because surprisingly, there were barely any one or two star negative reviews on IMDb. Dang. But this is a three out of 10 from June of 2006 titled Corny. I consider this as one of the flop movies. It doesn't have enough sense at all. It has even some rude scenes which are not appropriate for children to watch. I think if they have made this movie with real animal characters, PETA would sue them. One of the corniest <laughs> movies ever made. No quality made this for the sake of in fairness with the story. It reflects the realization of animals' lives, serves as a symbol that other unfortunate people might also be living this way. No food to eat, no shelter, and the family they call are the ones they meet on the streets. It also teaches the people to <laughs> value your friends treat them as one of the most important people in your life when everyone else leaves you you can always look back and always find them accepting you with a warm heart so they're saying that there might be people who are living on the streets in america that like they have to make family with other people that they meet on the streets okay that's what they were trying to say i didn't know yeah. what they i didn't yeah. know what they were trying to say okay i i think i kind of get what they're trying to say they're like human beings live like these animals mm -hmm. the PETA part <laughs> i don't know what they're trying to get with that i feel like i don't know i think they miss like the whole satire part like what the movie was like trying to show and like yeah they they have a point yeah like there's people who don't have food and all that but i feel like they missed the point like i think they got the point it's just i don't think the movie was necessarily saying that these animals are stand-ins for actual human beings that live this way yeah it was all over the place but i saw the pita part and i was like <laughs> <laughs> gotta include it gotta include it 
but the next review is a two-star review and i don't know if i don't know if this is true from letterboxd in 2018 that says the part where the turtle shell comes off pisses me off so much like yeah children watching it would probably think haha epic and funny turtle but me an intellectual understands that the turtle would be dead if its shell was removed because the shell itself is connected to the ribs and if you rip that shit off you will kill the turtle yeah you they can't take their shells off yeah i don't know enough about turtles to know that so Mm -hmm. i was like you probably know so i'll put this in here yeah that's just a cartoon calm down it's just a cartoon (laughs) dude and i doubt a kid's gonna go out there find a turtle and rip it off its shell (laughs) i hope not i hope not and if they do that's a little psychopath you know get them into therapy or something small outlier yeah but they are right like they can't take off their shells yeah but it's a cartoon yeah most kids aren't gonna replicate it yeah most kids aren't gonna go out there and rip a shell off a turtle yeah Three and a half stars from 2022. A bright, over-the-top, funny adventure based on a popular comic strip by Michael Fry and T. Lewis. While it's fairly thin on plot, the movie's relatively high-stakes action sequences, fun villains, terrific cast, and uproariously hilarious buddy comedy moments make it an absolute blast. Bruce Willis and Gary Shandling are a little odd couple, a pair with unexpected yet undeniable chemistry, and maybe one of DreamWorks' best duos ever. Like all great comic strips, Over the Hedge is brimming with scathing satire, adult laughs, and poignant characters with great heart and narrative arcs injected into every one of the ensemble. Perhaps one of DreamWorks' most underappreciated pictures ever. Um, like, I, like again, this is one of those things where, like, I'm not going to tell them they're wrong about anything. I think all of the things they're saying are true. Yeah. I do think it was underappreciated. I don't, I don't think it needed the same amount of praise as, like, Shrek, but... No. So, like, underappreciated in that sense, but... <laughs> And then our last review is a 10 out of 10 titled Excellent Animation, Constant Action, Perfect Music from IMDb written in January of 2007 that says, DreamWorks did great animation working with all the fur. Watch the special features on the DVD to see the details. The music is great, especially the theme song by Ben Folds and Hans Zimmer. Lots of action and venture keep you glued to the screen. Great jokes and observations of humans stemming from the comic strip it's based on. The stars doing the voices helped make the movie come alive. Phenomenal voice acting by Bill Shatner as one of the possums. I didn't see a possum when it was talking. I saw Bill acting. See it. Buy it. The amount of computer servers DreamWorks used to make this and the technological complexity of it is mind-blowing. I don't mind paying $20 for this so that more movies of this quality will come out. Well, there you go. Mm -hmm. I didn't see an opossum when it was talking. Oh, he just saw... Shatner. Like Shatner. Yeah. That's funny. I forget that DVDs, I mean, they still are kind of expensive when they are when they just came out. Mm-hmm. But this shit's in the $5 bin at Walmart now. It, oh, def- like most kids' movies that we grew up with are in there. Are in there. Yeah. I think I've pulled Monster House out of there. Yeah. So if you had to rate over the hedge out of 10. I'd give it a six. Okay. Six out of 10. I wouldn't say, it, it, and I've said this, you know, it's not one of my favorites of DreamWorks, but like, it's not bad. I think a six is a good, like, it's a good film. It's okay. Yeah. There are definitely worse movies that came out around this time, mm-hmm. but as scary as it looks. Yeah. It's still, scary as it looks. It's still funny. You yeah. know, it's entertaining. It's not a movie you would necessarily want to watch all the time. Even as somebody who watched it a lot as a kid, like, mm-hmm. I don't really revisit this movie too much. But I think I would also probably say, like, a six. It's passable. Mm-hmm. So, do you have anything else you want to say? No. Okay. So, if you have any comments or criticisms or concerns for us, you can message us at Easy Bake Takes on our Instagram. And we also have a TikTok at Easy Bake Takes. You can check out our websites for our episode transcripts and review overviews and that's easybaketakespodcast.com we also have a letterbox account easybaketakes where you can follow us and 
don't forget to like, follow, review wherever you listen and share us with a friend because that really helps us out. And thank you so much for listening. My name is Kat. And I'm Riley. This has been Easy Bake Takes. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye.